Heidi ho! And, as you know... <laughs> Are you going to keep going with that? This is Measure of an Episode, where our continuing mission is to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a proper Star Trek episode, and not just meh, or eh, or pfft, TV. My or name is Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and your name is Jonathan. Jonathan, what are the criteria by which we judge these episodes? Did we like it? That's true. <laughs> the most important one. That's the most important criteria. <laughs> right. How much are we how much are we bored? How much are we struggling through these episodes? No. Uh it's That is the prime directive of our of our <laughs> podcast. Oh, why didn't we call it the prime directive? Oh well. I'm sure there's a billion other podcasts that have prime directives. That have prime directives. That's yeah, right. I guess that's fair. All right. So the first one is is there sci-fi integral to the plot? And the second one is is there a moral or ethical dilemma that is present within the episode, whether or not directly or indirectly being discussed. Did we ever decide whether or not it inspires conversation as well? I feel like that's what we decided on the Paradise Syndrome. Like it also, it doesn't have to be within the plot itself, but it creates a moral or ethical discussion outside of the episode. I think that, that, that all that means is, was it a good episode? You know, I think good episodes tend to inspire, unless it's totally bad too. I guess really bad episodes inspire conversation, uh, a different kind of conversation. Well, but, yeah, dishwater episodes really aren't going to do anything. So, you know, it's just, are we like, are, are we in, does it have to be within the episode itself? Like in Paradise Syndrome, did we fall on it being a Star Star Trek episode because it inspired moral discussion, even though it wasn't in the episode? Or did we decide it wasn't because it wasn't in the episode? Just as a as a concept of it inspiring. I mean, any episode of television could inspire good conversation or bad conversation. I don't think or, this one would. Uh, <laughs> This the episode we haven't even said which we're listening to or what we're watching. What we did watch, yeah, that too. So we're watching. Sorry, is it you? Whatever. We're watching Regeneration, uh, which a- is episode twenty three <laughs> of season two of Enterprise. Ah, oh, drives me crazy when you do it backwards. We're watching Enterprise season two episode thirty two. No, I wrote that down wrong. <laughs> season seven episode forty nine. <laughs> twenty three season two episode twenty three Regeneration. Borg casualties from a century. No, not a centaur earlier. <laughs> Borg casualties from a century earlier. Spoilers. God, are reanimated by a research team. The Enterprise is ordered to intercept them before they can escape. Uh, yeah, that, that's a spoiler-laden uh, blurb there. You feel? That sucks. What? Why why is it being a century old a spoiler? Because okay, in the cold open. So this whole like we should put forth here. <laughs> I don't know why I all of a sudden was Thomas Jefferson. We, we should we should yeah, we should we should establish that this whole episode is predicated on the movie First Contact, right? Star Trek yes. the First Contact. Yes. So which was that very cool. is not obvious at the beginning. It is not. So, so the idea well, it's that not obvious I, I w- throughout the episode, you you would just have to. They they don't talk about that at all. It's. Uh, I mean, I guess they give a brief, vague allusion to it with Zephram Cochran's speech, but right. I mean, you could watch this and never having seen First Contact and enjoy it just fine. Right. But I think by the time, I think by the time, uh, like the second after after the main title happens, the the first act, I guess. Okay. I think if you had seen First Contact and were at, in any way versed in Star Trek lore, you would catch on. This was 
predicated by first contact. Yeah, no, I, w- I would agree with that, but I, I don't feel like it's a spoiler. I guess that's my point. How is, how, like, how is it a spoiler? Because reading this, I can tell that it's obviously going to be based on first contact. I don't, I mean, well, oh, I, I, okay, I, maybe, but maybe we should, <laughs> but how is that a spoiler? That's what I'm wondering. Like, because how do you see you, that? And you're like, oh, now I know what's going to happen or you ruined it for me. Because I think the fact the interesting the one of the interesting parts about this is that they they made this based on something that happened in one of the earlier movies. And I think that that's a fun fact that would be fun to discover through the course of the show and not just revealed to you in the blurb, at least for me. OK, so I'd be curious. I'd be curious if any of our listeners uh, knew about this going into it. Uh, or if you're listening at all to this podcast, if you are listening, send us an email and let us know. And do let us know. I'm very curious if if you consider this to be a spoiler. I don't know if I I I I, I don't know. You apparently don't. Well, yeah, because it wasn't it wasn't a plot twist that was revealed in the blurb, and it wasn't anything that was was detailed in the episode. I mean, it's literally just a fun Easter egg. For for me, a spoiler yeah. is exactly that. It spoils something about the episode. It it's something you know that that is now tainted because you have that information going into it, and I don't think that this this does that at all. I suppose you're right. I suppose the fact that it is it is it contains elements or you know is about the first contact, first contact. I I I don't think that has any bearing on the plot at any point. Right. Um. They don't. They can't learn anything because they. I mean, the only thing that they learn is that Zephyr Cochran talked about it. Right. You know. And was considered and a, a crazy man. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess you're right. It's not really a spoiler in that sense. But it is a spoiler in the sense of, of a, the experience of the episode. It'd be, it'd be interesting if they just said Borg. Mm-hmm. And that was the only part. That was the whatever, you know. Or <laughs> just said Borg if the blurb was just Borg. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they actually never talk about. They, they never say Borg at all in the episode. No. And uh, that must have been on purpose because yes. later – uh, jumping ahead, they when they hail them and they they hail the converted ship and they can sort of take over their they take over the enterprise and they say, um, "You will be assimilated." Whatever they say, they they left out the part where they say, "We are the Borg," uh-huh. and that must have been on purpose. Yes. Why I don't know why that was important. Um, I guess so that it wouldn't be inserted into the. See, this is the problem with with, with time travel plots is now. There would be something in the 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 permanent record of the Federation of what these Borg or what these beings, these, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them, robots looked like. And so now when Q in the future takes the Enterprise to the Delta Quadrant, introduces the Enterprise to the Borg, technically Data is going to know, is going to recognize these beings at this point. Oh, yeah. No, that's a fair point. Uh, but so well because they, they did go to great lengths to avoid them being called Borg, uh, having it be a major. Uh, you know, they they had to destroy it completely, so there couldn't be any trace of it for the future. Right. Yeah. Right. But they have pictures of it. Right. They have pictures. Right. Yeah. Clocks they clearly gonna did. Put, yeah. They, he's he's going to put his his information into the the database about what he was assimilated with. Mm-hmm. And you you know damn well that Phlox is going to keep some of these nano nanites, nanoprobes, nanoprobes uh, to study, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that would make sense. But I think because he was the only one on the ship and he had to destroy them all in his body, I, I don't think he was able to keep any. But 
I think if he if he could, he did. Well, he said he extracted them. You oh, know? you're I mean, right. He, he did. And, yeah. and even if and even if they're dead, even if they're not working anymore, you still have the physical things that aren't working. You know. So yeah, which and then there's the whole Borg sphere in the Arctic that's just lying there. Right. Yeah, which was cool. I I like that they took that that the idea that when they exploded the Borg sphere, uh, there would have been detritus from that explosion that would have landed on Earth somewhere. Uh huh. I guess it landed in in the Arctic, and this is what happens right. when you deal with the Borg. <laughs> it was cool. I liked the whole opening. I mean, it was such a, a TV set, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, like when they would walk around, and the whole set would shake. Like supposedly the super heavy metal that was littering <laughs> the Arctic Circle. It was like just jittering every time they stepped down <laughs> the uh-huh. snow. They do do this thing where they say the Borg, where they they analyze the genetic makeup or whatever of one of the drones. And they recognize that it's it's one of the human researchers, but they say, yeah, they, this isn't a human anymore. This is something different, which makes me wonder with Picard, how much of Picard is still Picard? And d- did they do sort of a total reconstruction of of Picard from what little of his DNA was left? And they kind of grew back his body at a certain point, because I got the impression that when you're assimil- assimilated, most of your physiological anatomy is gone that you you retain some things, but it's kind of like you're a RoboCop now. Like most of your flesh is gone. So my, my, I guess I wonder like how much is is Picard some sort of chimera now of not really this. He was never really the same, right? As he was before he was assimilated. Right. But I think also it was him specifically, they left him to be mostly human. So he would be able to, have those mem- those individual memories and have the communication with the federation um so he he was left you know as mostly human or right he was uh, some sort of he, he was a special case yeah yeah that's... which totally goes against the borg um philosophy i guess you could say yes so does the borg queen by the way the yes. idea that there would be a borg queen i mean we can talk about it when we get to the episodes where she's involved um Okay. Or, you know, on our special episodes where we're, we discuss the movies. The assimilation, like, not only was it, you know, like, the, the DNA was not human anymore, but also, I mean, we're, we're kind of there. So the, the Tarkalians, um, they they had metal under their skin on their face now. What what really struck me about that was they they didn't have any metal that they were using to put that on them. So... It was literally the the nanites were converting their biology into metals. Is that how that works? So, okay, so th- this was actually this actually leads into something like my favorite part of this whole episode, the coolest sci-fi moment for me, which is the Enterprise is chasing the Borg ship, mm-hmm. and they finally come upon it, and Paul says something like, "Their ship has increased their mass by three percent," and which. Is impossible unless they stopped and mined for stuff. Right. Right. They can't, I mean, they can't make matter out of nothing. Right. Um, so that sort of points to how much more advanced the Borg are because obviously they okay. have some way of, of making something out of nothing because right. they, they did this twice. They did this in the scenario that you're talking about and they, they put a button on it when they said the mass of, of their ship has increased by 3%, which would be a ton. Right. Right. Not literally a ton. No, no, a couple I, yeah. tons. It like, would be, yeah, it, yeah that, that it doesn't matter. The fact that it's any amount is, 
is a lot. <laughs> yes. Any amount, any percentage of a gigantic ship. So I, that's amazing. Like I want to, I want to hear more about that. How do they increase their mass by so much over the short period of time? Right. And how are they creating? I mean, they even showed this happening where they, they showed when, when the, the drone, the half drones were trying to kind of take over the enterprise in a way to, to uh, sabotage it. And they show them put their tubules into the the plating of the whatever the whatever uh-huh. instruments that they got, and it's just you see it sort of creating itself and uh-huh. sort of taking over the insides. And so that's three examples of of just matter coming out of nowhere, right. or I guess or magic. matter maybe being. Yeah, no, this is a science fiction show, Jonathan. Right. It's There's just no it's just technology that we don't understand yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, that that uh, part I actually rolled my eyes at when she stuck her tubes into the the tech panel, and it just like it, it like Photoshop phased from the yeah. the panel to you know like there was there was no rearranging of the material on its own. It was like it just rematerialized as the Borg panel. Exactly, I I totally agree. Like you can't reassemble matter that quickly, right? It just it it becomes like you said, it turns into magic. Yeah, but that was the most interesting part, is that they're somehow not just reassembling, but creating matter out of nothing. Well, and converting the matter that is there, you know, I mean, to... Right. Uh, like, the, the nanites are so advanced that they are able to change the molecular structure of biology into a mineral. Yeah, or or they're created, they're taking energy and creating matter from energy, I guess. Right, but there was the, it was they showed on the inside that the the body was already becoming you know uh, cybernetic. Right. Yeah. We don't know. I mean, I think that's part of the fun of the Borg is that they are so advanced that they mm-hmm. we have no reference point for how they're doing what they're doing. They just do it. It's an unstoppable force that yeah. we that we can that like it's imperative that you that they don't touch you unless you're Malcolm and you're on their ship. Then that's okay if they touch you. <laughs> That happens, and the Borg does not tries to assimilate Malcolm for some reason, and then that's the scene where Archer rips a tube, a Borg tube, out of the Borg drone's head and oh, okay. that, uh, incapacitates him somehow. Uh-huh. That's all you have to do. It's like it's like that's the equivalent of kicking a uh, a Ferengi in the ear. Well, it's interesting because like I, I get the the danger of being close to them, but it seems as though you have a better chance of defeating them in hand-to-hand combat than you do with long-distance weapons. Yes, I agree. Uh, the problem is they're very strong. Right. And they're not super consistent, uh, the writers or whatever, uh, with this in terms of... I mean, if you can throw a human across the room, um, you can block a punch pretty <laughs> successfully. But, I mean, you also have seen how slow they move. It's Just because you can doesn't mean you'll get to it in time. Right. Yeah. Also, why don't the shields block? If they can block a laser, why can't they block a punch? Well, because that's that's more energy reflective. Not, I mean, I guess it is energy, but it's not it's not matter. There we go. It's not matter repulsive. I guess I guess that's true. Saved again by Jonathan. <laughs> I mean, it's it's something that I've always wondered, but I've I feel like it it makes sense. Like I guess my my confusion would be when like I you could use a bullet on them because that's a that's matter being pushed through. But then why did the bullets from the holodeck work on the Borg? Because that's even though it's 
it feels solid and it doesn't stop at any actual living tissue, it's still uh, it's still repulsors and light. Like it's not the yeah. the image actually isn't actually there. I guess we would be able to answer that if we knew more about the holodeck and how it and what kind of energy it uses to to pretend to be matter because right. not matter it's it's pretending to be matter with force fields etc so right i like, don't know I, that's a good question if you eat on the holodeck and then leave are you hungry i don't know that's a good question like at what, at what point like if you you know, like <laughs> you eat something that doesn't agree with you on the holodeck can you just leave <laughs> i don't think i, I don't I, I they've never let on that anything in the holodeck can have a chemical reaction so even if you tried to eat something and it didn't just disappear the second that it went into your body, it wouldn't taste like anything. Mm, I see what you're saying, right? And so even if you could swallow it, it wouldn't it wouldn't do anything. I guess you could if you stayed in the holodeck for a couple of hours or a couple of days, you would it would be like corn. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wouldn't digest because there's nothing chemical react. You probably have terrible indigestion, I guess. Well, That's yeah. Question: like, Has anybody ever eaten a holodeck burger? I don't know. I know. I know they've drinking. They've drank. They've drank. Yeah. Drinking. Have, have drunk. <laughs> they've drunk. They drank. They have drunk. Because we see that a couple times, like in the in the old west, they take shots of things. Um, uh, my guess is that it just disappears the second you put it into your mouth. Right. Yeah. Because it doesn't have the light emitters anymore. Well, but there there is an episode where. They're having a snowball fight and the doors open and the people standing outside actually get hit with the snowballs. Um, and and there's an episode where two characters actually do leave the holodeck and they fade away from like the ground up. They don't just disappear as soon as they hit the door. Yeah. So there's got to be something about I mean, like remnant technology. I could invent a reason why that happens, but right. <laughs> I don't I don't know for that kind of podcast. Right. Well, and I, yeah, that's that's definitely more a writing oversight rather than a technical reason. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're fairly consistent with the holodeck stuff. They keep it fairly magical, I think, to a to a purpose. Right. The second, it's like the time travel. Like if you start thinking about it, it, it starts to degrade quickly, very yeah. quickly. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, but, but anyway, all of that to say, that's why a phaser works on a Borg and not, and or that's why a phaser doesn't work and punch does. <laughs> I loved this episode, by the way, I felt like it's my kind of episode. I mean, the, the cold open is one thing, but then, or the, all the stuff in the Arctic circle is, is sort of its own little mini movie. And then we get to the enterprise a couple of acts later, mm -hmm. and then you're just sort of thrust into the plot mm -hmm. and it becomes this kind of mystery, not heist, but chase plot. Yeah. And I loved it. Like, I'm starting to really like Enterprise. I always thought Enterprise was a little just slow and kind of um, bumpkin, I guess. Right. But it's not. Like, they have, they have these episodes where they hit the ground running, and it's this – it's very fun. It's like a mystery. And I was wondering, how are they going to get out of this? Because, you know, I wanted it to keep going. Yeah. I, I didn't want this to end. And that my only complaint about this episode is that they didn't quite cliffhang it in, to, to my satisfaction. You know, I mean, OK, so put it this way. What if one of the Borg that they found buried in the snow frozen was a member of Voyager? That right. Been cool. But exactly. Because it all it does is it starts saying, OK, number one, is this post Voyager returning to the Alpha Quadrant or pre meaning? Well, uh, but it's pre because it's right? after it's during first contact. Exactly. So 
That's my point, is that when did this person get assimilated? Because we don't know. The Borg obviously can time travel. They do it in an instant and first contract, first contact. Right. So they can time travel whenever they want, supposedly, which means they should be doing a lot better in the war against Uh the Federation. (laughs) But that aside... It would it would ask so many questions that they could later answer in the show because they I know they get into some sort of time war or whatever, but it would ask it would ask the question okay did this happen when because the 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 Voyager the Voyager they get they interact with the Borg all the time so right. it could be a moment where you, that you could explain in some later down the road where Ensign Kim gets assimilated works for the Borg for a while does a stint you know. Mm-hmm. is part of first contact because they traveled back in time because they needed some drones, you know, or that's just part of working for the Borg. Uh, and then at some point he escapes or or something like that. And like he's older, he's an older Kim. And so he, he just, he dies with the rest of the Borg in this episode, right? So that could be the end of Ensign Kim. Like it would be so interesting if they did something like that. Right. But they didn't do that. Right. And well, and also to, to get into that, I mean, you would have to like the writers would clearly have to explain like, like everything you just said, like the Borg have time. It's travel doable, though. It is, but it's not <laughs> like the writers would have to explain it like in in interviews outside of the episode. They wouldn't be able to explain it within the episode. No, you would need several episodes to to get or at least two to get down to the like I think that he'd have to live, right? And they'd have to sort of rejuvenate Ensign Kim and ask him how he got to where he was how he got to be a Borg. <laughs> and eventually that would be explained. Right. But I don't know. It would it would I don't it would have been so much more interesting if we had recognized one of them. Because then we we're like, oh Ensign Kim was part of the battle in first contact. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And maybe you could have some sort of hocus pocus where He's injected with some sort of chronometric nanites that that eventually will return you to original timeline after you know losing contact for a certain specific amount of time, right? Right. You could you could explain it away in a way that would make him just sort of disappear into the future, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I I would have liked that. I would have liked you know like stretch the plausibility a bit to give me something interesting to chew on, which is how I like to consider my cooking. <laughs> Stretching it to the point where you get something you can chew on. <laughs> Yeah, the plausibility this is food, just so it's something I can chew on. But I, I, I really liked this episode, I have to say. Yeah, it I did was, too. I, it was I, a well, well-crafted episode. I don't think it was a Star Trek episode, though, and I feel like that's kind of the, the running theme with Enterprise so far, is that it's good episodes, it's got good sci-fi, but it's action, so there's not really moral or ethical dilemmas. And, okay. You know, and so, right. so it just, it's, it's fun to watch, but it's not proper Star Trek. So I have to I have to disagree. So with the first so the, the first criteria, which is the science fiction criteria, mm-hmm. I think there's plenty of science fiction in this. Oh, I yeah. think the just the 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 premise that they found um, the Borg having been iced over for a hundred years right. from a from the first contact thing, and then having to you know re reanimate them, uh-huh. you know regenerate to quote uh, <laughs> or to the name title. it. Yep the the eponymous. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's called a callback, people. So and then so they have that, and the, all of the flock stuff I felt was very science fictiony. I really yeah. liked. I mean, I like him a lot. I know you hate him, but I I liked that whole bit mm-hmm. where he gets he gets infected or or assimilated, and his body is trying to fight it off, and all of his different ways of trying to fight it off himself, and blah blah blah. 
The second criteria, which is the morality, uh-huh. um, Archer has a big problem killing these people. And I, I, he obviously, um, he talks about it with, with to Paul, right. Paul tries to console him. He, 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 strangely, Archer goes to a Vulcan for consolation. Um, <laughs> bad move. But so he, he has a big problem with this. And I think it kind of goes to, I guess, the naivete of the early Federation. Right. Or I guess of early Starfleet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that you're just going to have to start killing people if you want to be a part of this universe. <laughs> <laughs> you know what to do with that gun, Doc. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have phasers, right? You have do they have torpedoes? I don't know if they have torpedoes. I don't, I don't think so. Not yet. Yeah. And they have giant, I mean, you know, they, he tells Archer, no, Archer tells Malcolm to go figure out, how, does he tell him how to, how to beat these guys with the, no, I guess he takes that initiative upon himself. But regardless, he is, he is faced with the morality of killing, first of all, innocent people in his eyes. He doesn't really know that much about the Borg and that they aren't really people anymore. Right. So, but regardless, the the excavation crew were innocent people, right? Yeah. But and he doesn't, and he says, "I'm not willing to consider these people a lost cause yet." Right? They are still in his mind; they're still people. So we're going to go after them and endanger the crew of what is obviously an advanced race, mm-hmm. so far advanced than us. Yeah. And so I think that his his bout with that morality, yeah, um, kind of satisfies that criteria for me. And uh, I can see. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it doesn't have to for you, but like that, that was enough. No. Right? Yeah. It, obviously it wasn't laced with the morality. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't but, laced. I mean, but they, they had a discussion about it. It, you know, it wasn't, I, I guess, I guess it's just presented in a different manner in enterprise than it is in next generation. And I mean, that's probably on purpose because it's two different captains and, you know, two different centuries and all that sort of thing. But for some right. reason, I, I guess on enterprise, it seems like it's one scene and, that's kind of the end of it, but on Enterprise, you know, they they did they they actually did mull about it, and it wasn't just you know right, next gen, yeah. So yeah, no, I'm 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 happy to concede. You're right, that was a conversation, and it, it that is the the moral dilemma. And you're right, it doesn't seem to be present the entire show. Where it was with Picard, I think there would have been this overhanging thing of I'm going to push this morality to the last moment. Which I guess kind of happens with Archer. He, you can tell that he has a big problem flushing these people out of the airlock. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a great scene. But that's kind of the end of it, mm-hmm. in a way, right? Picard would have mulled about. Um, Whether or not it was the right room. choice, yeah. Yeah, with with his tea. <laughs> yep, while he sits in his comfy chair in his quarters. <laughs> Looking at his fish. <laughs> um. So since since we're there, and I didn't bring this up in the episode, uh, but one of one of the things like Patrick Stewart actually had a problem with those fish. Uh, he <laughs> he felt like such an advanced society, and you know, and who they were, and what they were about, and what Picard was about. He would not keep any living creatures contained in his office, um, you know, or for his his own amusement. And so that was another thing that Jellico came like that was a reason why Jellico was there and why he got rid of the fish because Patrick Stewart felt that Picard wouldn't have them, but because he'd already had them for six seasons, he couldn't just suddenly get rid of them. Oh well, I mean, I think a great way to explain it away is that they're holographic. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's time for a change. <laughs> just Computer polygraph. and program. I mean, Picard, look, Picard has been told several times that they're not real fish. Like, it's part of, he, he can just change <laughs> whatever he wants. He can have a shark in there if he wants. Like it, Or they're, they're just, they're, they're robot fish. Like, you know, I mean, we have those. They're just designed to swim around <laughs> inside. You know, they just look they're more Borg, advanced. They're Borg, Borg fish <laughs> with a little eyepiece on the side of the fish. <laughs> Cyborg sushi. Uh, oh, hmm. No, no that, that does not there. sound good. Not, like, no, I wouldn't no. eat there. Yeah, no. take some wasabi and oil. Unless it was served, unless it was regular fish served by a Borg. Hmm. No, I still wouldn't eat it. Although that you'd know it was fresh. Like they could actually bring out the the fish to you. You'd know it was the fish you wanted, and they would just slice it up in front of you. <laughs> Well, they would inject it with nanites, which would then reassemble everything <laughs> into steak, with into steak and into fillets and whatever. Uh, Is that how the queen dines? <laughs> I don't. I really. Uh, she, she doesn't eat. She's literally a, a head with a spine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing about the Borg is that there is no reason, as far as I can tell, for them to maintain any kind of physiology that is what i want to call that uh not robot but the other like human flesh whatever organic that, whatever you call that organic good job thanks um i understand the need to do that because it's much easier to have actors play robots right that look like but you know if you want to take the robots from interstellar right which are not humanoid they're just sort of blocks that walk around like that makes more sense as a robot like robots would not be one size fits all. They would have different forms for different purposes. Uh, just like your washing machine doesn't look like a vacuum cleaner, you know, like right. they all have different, they all have different <laughs> forms for different purposes. So the idea that there would just be one size fits all, I mean, there would be battle droids, you know, mm -hmm. or battle. I should not say that. I'm sorry. I said that battle drones um, that maybe, you know, why wouldn't they have six arms? Right. You know, one that two guns, two grenade launchers, and a you know, like I don't know. So there's that element that is sort of goes against the logic of if you can make a, a drone out of anything, that they should truly be made at, at, into any form. But the idea that the queen would wouldn't just be a consciousness somewhere, that she would be a, a true form, unless she made that form to be more uh, acceptable on the Enterprise when in first contact. Oh know? yeah, like yeah, she that just could be made herself mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Actually, wouldn't it have been awesome if they assimilated Beverly Crusher and Beverly Crusher uh, or the Queen inhabits Beverly Crusher for the course of that movie? And then somehow they save her at the end, right? Right. But, but Beverly Crusher is then the, the Queen. It's sort of done up in makeup and stuff. Like it would have looked amazing. And then they bring back right. Dr. Pulaski to cure Dr. Crusher. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, but she's much younger in the past. Let's so find her in the past to cure her. Oh my God. How old is she? <laughs> yeah. She's really old. I don't know if they covered that, but very old, but they have to go find her on earth. Um, uh, or her, her, her ancestor. There you go. They had to find her ancestor on earth. <laughs> Wait, you mean when she's in residency or something? Is that what you mean? Uh, <laughs> um, oh, so to, explain the humanoid shapes um in a plausible way so it could be kind of like the matrix how they tried to make them with you know 
uh, arachnid legs and six arms and just fully automated weapons and all that kind of thing. Um, and the the hum the the alien minds just rejected it because it's not what they had been what they had been raised with, and so they just couldn't handle that stark of a change. And then the the other part of it too is if they if they can create mass out of nothing, why do they need bodies to change into population? I guess that's because of what they can assimilate from the brains, all the technology and know-how. And I guess maybe there are cultural things that they can assimilate that are beneficial or, or useful in some way. Right. Um, I don't know. That never gets expressed. Mm-hmm. They all seem to act exactly the same. Um, they don't seem to assimilate anything besides um, humanoid forms. So two arms, two legs. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's no blobs walking around or anything like that. Um, like Jor- the thing that Jordy fights in Aquiel, <laughs> just amorphous <laughs> blobs <laughs> with the eyepiece on. You know, uh, right? Well, yeah, I, but I feel like I feel like the blob would have actually absorbed the Borg. I, right. I, I really. Oh, don't. that's true. Yeah. Right. Oh, that would be so cool too. What mm-hmm. if they they had to work together with the blob? What a species, whatever that was, to say, look, you're the only thing that can beat these things. Right. You know, you yeah. got to go in. You're going in. Yeah. Um, and there's there's actually an episode. Oh man, I'm. I hope we get to it sooner than later. There's a next generation episode that I want to. Like we can continue this discussion. Um, just talking about like different species that could help fight the Borg. Oh, that would be such well, a good movie I, if like they. <laughs> Just <laughs> they defeated the Borg once and for all by collecting all of these alien races that could fight Aren't the humanoid. Borg. Yeah, yeah. I think you've just come up with the with the best movie ever. <laughs> yeah, it would just be. I, I mean, it would it would essentially be like Ocean's Eleven or some kind of movie like 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 that a, a gang heist heist movie where the federation is going around to all these different people and saying like okay here's you know we need you guys to to come together and here's how we're going to defeat the borg but just done in a, yeah. in a more serious fashion so it's not you know played with like in that tongue in cheek way i mean obviously animation would be the best way to do this because it would be so hard to do otherwise lower decks looking at you <laughs> so did you like the episode I did. It, yeah, no, I, I, okay. I, yeah, I thought it was a great episode. Um, I think, you know, I think that if you think about it too hard, you will find like temporal continuity errors. Um, but they, I think that on the surface, they did a pretty good job of ensuring that the Borg are first met with the Enterprise, um, you know, and not, not now. Right. They kind of, yeah, they, they did not eliminate that unless Q just magically gets rid of it. Right. Right. Q is like the magical stopgap, well, I, I guess. It kind of seemed like Borg technology works in conjunction with the Borg. So like if you if you had the, the Borg pieces of their ship, you would not be able to reverse engineer much, if anything, because you had no Borg collective to run it or to repair it. Right. You know, so that was that was kind of the impression I got on on this. So like, but even, it's so disti- vis- it's so visually distinctive that you would still, even if you didn't know how it worked, it would it would be studied endlessly, right? Right. I mean, even if you just saw pictures of it, it would be recognized. I mean, Data has a, a he he knows everything, I right. guess, when it comes to just hard data, so he would just recognize it. 
Yeah. Well, and Tasha Yar knows everything about hard data, too. Oh, snap. You're talking about his penis, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, she has. I understood. I just want to make sure. <laughs> right, right. Audience understood. Yeah, there was there was definitely a disk drive going on there. <laughs> Another snap. Snap two. <laughs> the dark snap. Snap returns. So the snap returns of the snap. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, th- I thought this was a great episode. Um, I Like I said, like it was a great sci-fi action. I just didn't see the moral or ethical dilemma. You presented that. So I... That definitely that conversation took place. That was definitely the the moral dilemma that Archer dealt with. So yeah, I will I will concede on that one. Um, okay. and change my change my no to a yes. If we were keeping track of all of the yeses, which we will, yes, this we week, will, which we will eventually. Uh, that that's getting harder and harder to do. By the way, <laughs> because we're at episode thirty now, and uh, we're still not doing it. All so right. I think eventually we need to we need to just hunker down and start making a list. Okay. Which I'm sure we'll talk about next episode. Tune in next week when we talk about how we're not doing that still. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, nope, Labor Day weekend was last week. So, uh, yeah, nope, that's not going to happen for a while. <laughs> uh, I've got fall break coming up in like three weeks, I think. So, yeah, I can take care of it then. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are we... Maybe are, for our hundredth our hundredth episode, that will be something that happens. There you go. Cool. So are we done? Oh, no, I did want to say the, the Tarkalians actually have been brought up since DS9. And this is the first time in release chronology that they have ever appeared. And it's the only appearance they ever have. That's so weird. I wonder if they just have like a random race generator that they just click a button and they're like, oh, this is this is from this and you can do it with this. And OK, so that we'll use that one. Right. Like the writers. That must be what they do. Yeah, the writers. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think I mean this is the this is the only series where denobulans have been a thing, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they got rid of that. So I wonder if their species dies out. Well, there hasn't been an, a, a show after after Enterprise. Well, right, but I mean, I guess in the it's in the past. Yeah, too. in the Star Trek timeline, I almost said Star Wars. In the Star Trek timeline, <laughs> <laughs> that one too. Right. I just I love uh, I love the Doctor. You know, and his regenerations. That's what that's what made me think of Star Wars. <laughs> or the doctor in any Star Wars. <laughs> um anyway, yeah, like this this in the Star Trek timeline chronology, this is the first show. And there's no other show that shows the Denobulans. So Right, that is interesting. I wonder what happens to them. Right. And what's interesting too is like they you know, the uh the Andrians, the Andorians, is that right? The the blue people. Andorians, yeah. Okay. Andorians. Um, they they have like one appearance in one of the later series, uh, in the background somewhere, and I forget where it is. But other than that, like they have a huge role in Enterprise, which we haven't even seen yet. It's Jeffrey Coombs like ha- plays plays the the main Andorian, and he's in like a full season's worth of episodes, and we haven't seen any of them yet. I don't think. No. But but anyway. Um, interesting that they were in Enterprise in the original series, and then they never do anything again in the rest of the series. My guess is that Phlox does not entirely rid himself of nanobots. They just become dormant. And eventually, after his stint on the Enterprise, he, you know, his That's immune system succumbs so to Borg assimilation. <laughs> and he, they, their entire, he goes back home and his entire race is assimilated. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's my guess. 
That's horrible. <laughs> hey, Star Trek can be dark too. I know. That's just oh, what a tragic end. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely setting that to to John Billingsley. <laughs> Actually, that's a good idea. Does he have a tweet? A tweeter? He does. Tweet he does. Writer? Yeah, we follow him. Tweet. Yeah. Oh, p- please do that. I'm going to. Yeah, I'll I'll wait until next week when the episode comes up. But I mean tomorrow when the episode comes up. <laughs> Damn it! You ruined it for everybody. <laughs> All right. Let's so, see what we're watching next. Okay. Voyager. Oh, good. Voyager. Voyager. I want to give <laughs> myself two options. Voyager. Voyager. Season 6, episode 19. Oh, wow, getting into it. Child's wow. Play. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, uh-oh? If, yeah, uh, well, what's the blurb? Oh. <laughs> I just, I wonder if it's the episode with Michael McKean in it. Seven of Nine should be overjoyed after Ikeb's Ichib. After Ichib's parents are located, but she's suspicious when told about his original assimilation circumstances. Oh, it's a flashback episode. And the, I wonder, and the, the, the thumbnail is just her lounging. Who, Seven of Nine? No, Janeway. Oh. Yeah. Strangely, two episodes away from the last Voyager we watched, which was Live Fast and Prod. No, that was a long time ago. Never mind. But, but still, like, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting close. that our generator, you know, is not bouncing all over the place. I, I feel like at this point we would have, like, at least one episode from each season. Right. And, you know, I think we've just about finished all the episodes of season five in <laughs> exactly the original series. What's funny about this blurb is that it's passing judgment on Seven of Nine. Seven of Nine should be overjoyed. After- <laughs> like, all right, blurb, mind your business. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if there's other people who, you know, who say that enough to her. Like, why aren't you happy about this? We found his parents. You should be happy. You should be over. 